Hello everyone and welcome back to a three film feature episode. What exactly is a 20 now? I don't remember. Either way, this is going to be a fun rendition because we're talking about a lot of good movies, including Ghost in the Shell, which is a fun anime I, I haven't seen before. That's exciting. Cat People, which is probably one of the greatest films ever made, and Ang Lee's 2003 edition of Hulk. A lot of fun stuff to talk about. So let's get right into it and jump into the episode. This is going to be a very interesting one because we're kind of jumping into an area I don't know a bunch about. We have talked about, like, Kiki's Delivery Service on this channel, but I don't really consider, like, Hayao Miyazaki, like, the generational anime that people love, you know? It's its own kind of category of, like, a quiet piece, and I think it can be separated from, like, the things that have become, like, very popular overseas, like these monumental stories that people show their kids and rewatch all the time. Ghost in the Shell which is the movie we're talking about today for Galactic Tales, kind of fits into that modern category. Like, it is a 90s anime that has its fans, but doesn't have, like, the huge cultural relevance that other more, like, episodic adventures do. I say that as somebody who has no idea what he's talking about. Maybe the fact that I'm saying Ghost in the Shell and Kiki's Delivery Service are two different categories of anime is the wrong thing to say. I don't know. Maybe they're the right thing. I don't know. All I know is I wanted to try something new. <laughs> I had seen parts of this movie before. I've always known Ghost in the Shell existed, and I was just kind of like, I get it. It makes sense. Like, it's it's right in that era of 90s anime where I don't feel I need to go back to watch it. But anyway, I saw it on the other day, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll check it out. And it's good. I am not a connoisseur of this style of animation or this genre. I have no actual identity in this category. The closest I have is I really like Sailor Moon. That's like my biggest thing of this type of piece. But Ghost in the Shell has a lot of things I do like. It is very much an inspiration or inspired by the techno world of Blade Runner. Now, maybe the manga came out before Blade Runner. I don't know. But exactly just sitting down to watch this, I'm like, okay, this is one of those futures that we always come back to and play with. And I have no doubt that the generation that is making movies now or TV shows now is inspired by this movie a lot. Weird dystopian world, techno organic city, with a bunch of different things going on. Cute people fighting people with big guns. Every single creator you are a fan of has probably been inspired by this property. It is a very easy thing to sell to people, and I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. What it is delivering is just that aesthetic that I've come to be accustomed to, and when I see it here, knowing what it is, I'm not blown away. I'm just simply impressed with what I'm seeing. The, the sweeping epic scale of the thing looks really good. There's some really cool slow motion effects in this movie. The actual aesthetic is not uncommon to me, but I do like what I am seeing. It, it makes me smile like, yeah, okay, we're doing something kind of interesting here. We got a special look going on. We are in, what is it, Newport City, some big megalopolis in the middle of nowhere, and we just have a couple of sections of like these people who kind of get infused of technology or these intelligences that go into their brain and they start to work as this organization and kind of take down illegal threats. It's kind of like 
taking down the illegal internet stuff, and I think that's kind of cool. There's something in there to explore. I think there is, and this movie does it better than other interpretations I have seen. I can't say I'm the biggest fan of this, but I will say, yes, this is doing everything I'm fine with. There was not a single piece of this movie where I'm like, okay, this is unnecessary. There is a really cool aesthetic, as I said. The characters are all very distinctive, like they have room to grow while staying into the tropes that we've seen for them. We do have, like, we're following Section 9, which is, like, one of the elite organizations. They have a couple of these new recruits, older recruits that are working to take down, like, the illegal, like, crime whatever of the internet and technology and that kind of stuff. It's kind of fascinating to see that. And kind of, like, the further down the line you go in that organization, you see people that are, like, fully integrated into, like, these robotic anamorphic bodies, which is kind of cool. And then you have, like, regular people who are just kind of doing that. The further down the line you go, the more integrated your body is to the technology. So you see people who are just basic scientists, like, their hands can sprout into fingers upon fingers upon fingers, or their body is just entirely made of this robotic material. And that leads us to kind of our core character, Motoko, or Major as her codename. She is our central point character and we follow her on this journey as she is working for section nine taking down some people who are illegally working on some stuff what i really like about this movie what i really like about this movie it, it does this thing that i think more stories like this should do the scale isn't that big now and of course it's just like the first chapter in an ongoing narrative if you read the manga but for just one movie it's like okay we'll deal with like the beginning threat that we'll do at the beginning so you can see off this character in the power the optical cloaking technology that is used by both her and her opponents we'll fight some crime people that way and then boom we'll lead into the bigger story which has a lot of like metatextual narrative that is kind of a lot to take in casually watching this i was just Okay, so we have this, like, kind of, it's not an artificial intelligence, it's called the Puppet Master, but it kind of might be an artificial intelligence that was not actually based on, like, the shell of a person who previously existed, that's what the ghost is, like, the remembrance of a thing that you're using the body or copy of. This is an intelligence that is created individually from that that wants to find the next step in human evolution, which watching it in today's climate, having like the, the way we look at the world through AI today, this made it kind of more poignant in a different way where this is a being longing for the next step of evolution. And that is kind of like to find its own identity, find its own life, find its own reason to live and to die, which is kind of a very interesting thing to see. And it's kind of like maybe this destructive thing within the corporation that was actively seeking to destroy it maybe they helped build it one of these sections of that did and how does that play into major and what she's up to there's something in there i like it is kind of just okay we are doing some stuff that's hard to understand if you're not truly focused on it and it doesn't like just it doesn't give you a minute to like okay here's what we're talking about it doesn't explain what a ghost truly is that idea in your head that flickering longing and it doesn't really need to. It, it just has, like, you understand what this is. It's a techno-organic world. We can hook our brains up into computers and look at stuff on, like, a weird grid. And I love, I just really love the, the weird aesthetic portion that is, here is, like, the future we'd envision from 90s technology. Just slowly enhancing a computer screen. It sounds like an old dial-up internet thing. It is so slow and cool. And just that aesthetic is awesome. It has moments where it's very Tron on the grid, which is like following people on a street. 
I love all of that. It looks fantastic. And the characters all have distinctive looks I do like. Major has, you know, standard anime girl looks where she's stronger, she's buffer. There's scenes towards the end where they really hone in on her muscles, and I'm like, that is intense. I don't understand how that would work physiologically, though, because you are made of, like, machine parts, so how are your muscles actually forming? And, of course, we do have a sexy lady. There's a couple sexy lady appearances in here, and it is a 90s anime, so be wary of that if you are somebody who is easily offended by robot nudity. Look, it doesn't look realistic. It just looks like a bare body sometimes. Get over it. It's a very important character moment that she can use her optical illusion and, and disappear. It's important and it works well. And the effect they do for that is kind of cool where it starts off as like a like a magnifying glass, like mirroring the thing that she is on top of and pulling away. Every time a character does that, it looks really cool. And that also leads us to Batu, who's like the other lead character. He's like another one of the enhanced individuals working for Section 9. He's got like some weird eye stuff and he's kind of like the yin to her yang, you know cool guy. I do like that he's kind of like, yeah, you know, the world is what it is. I don't know how to stop it. I'm going to win this. It's just going to happen. I can dig that. Cool guy. I like his vibe. Then you have like the regular guy, Takosa, who's just like, what if Miami Vice, but in the future, you know, I, I dig him. He's like a regular human and it's kind of cool. And it just culminated into like, we have to figure out, okay, what does this puppet master actually want? Why is it coming to section nine? Why did it try to send itself here for this thing? And the end result is pretty much just, it wants to integrate with major to find their next step because they are solely like these two beings lost in this idea. Major has kind of been longing for this idea of like her past life. What does it mean to be alive? Dealing with those things while still doing the job and, and not complaining about the job, but she's just looking at it like, this is a hard task to accomplish. What am I truly doing here? Maybe there is something else to accomplish here. And when they start to integrate, they actually succeed at that. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. There is something, there's like a duality to that. I don't want to get in too many like of the, like the trans allegories of that because I don't know how to like fully talk about that story. But when you have the male voice coming from the female body and it's integrating with the more feminine side that is major, and it combines into one new being, there is something to talk about in there. I just might not be the person to do it. It's kind of fascinating that way. I do like seeing that. There is a really cool fight scene with a tank where it's just major going to town against this thing, a bunch of like big old blasting guns and stuff, and that looks really cool. It did surprise me in a lot of cool ways. I do think there are some interesting ideas being explored here. It does feel very wholehearted and it has a message it's trying to say. There is some intensity involved. The world and the aesthetic are really cool and very vibrant. I do like seeing that. Sometimes it's just not my cup of tea and that happens. There are certain moments where I'm like, oh, okay, we're spending a lot of time in like this chase sequence. It's not really going anywhere. It's not really doing much. And maybe there's too many, like, board members from other places to set up another movie. And yes, this is an ongoing narrative. There are, like, other movies that aren't truly, like, a sequel, but they're derived from other material in the world, so it's kind of like a continuation. I get that, but if you're somebody like me who has no real connection to anime outside of, like, what you know about it, this is the type of thing where I'm like, this pretty much sums it up. There's a clear message in there. It does show the themes and the art style very perfectly. It has this techno-organic feel of the future, which is a very prominent thing in science fiction today, and has vibes that are really cool. 
It has vibes that are really cool. The characters work. The story works. There's an element of finding your truest self in there that's very important, especially in a world built on artificial intelligence and losing the human connection that you are severed from. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. It all connects into one interesting bow. It's going to be hard for a lot of people, but I, I think there's some stuff that's worth it in there. For this being like the first anime I'm really talking about on here, I don't know if you can get better. But hey... Maybe I'm completely off base because I have no connection to any of this. I could be wrong, but I think I'm right. So, Oh boy, oh boy, am I super glad we are talking about this movie today. I want to talk about this one. I, I just, I needed to see this again. It's so good. It's so fun. And I saw it on the on one of like the old school channels the other day. So I'm like, yeah, we're talking about cat people this week. 1942's cat people. I think we might come back soon to talk about the reboot because this is just my cup of tea. I could drink this shit up all the time. It's a breezy, short movie, great actors doing great stuff. Like this is a vibe I thrive in and I love more than anything else. Like this is my stuff. This is my domain. This is where I want to live. This is where I want to be. Put me in cat people movies. Let's let me watch them forever. They're so good. Are you familiar with this concept? It feels like it's one of those generation, not even generational, I should say, just one of those like stories throughout Hollywood and film history where people are aware of it. They reference it, even if they're not like explicitly into it that much. It's awesome. So here's the basic premise. What if like deep in the jungles of some old tribe, women prayed to a god and they were given the life to live as cat people? And every time they get aroused or enraged or jealous on a large scale, they become panthers. That That's what this is. That is what this is. And my God, is it cool. My God, is it so much fun. It is just such a compelling, unique story of cool characters. And it's so silly and great. What I love the most about the one from the 40s is how much it sticks true to a film noir story. The lighting effects and the shadowing effects on this movie are unparalleled. So many beautiful moments where we don't actually see the violence. So many great moments where we don't actually see the violence on screen. We are just focusing in on the stuff we don't see. It's an intense thriller. It's like a paranoid thriller. Instead of actually seeing the cat in every scene, we see its shadows, we see its paws, we see it walking in like the shadows and hiding itself. It is so cool. So many unique moments like that that just make it special. When we just see kind of like the subtlety of like the transformation, when our lead character in Arena is actually transforming, when we trap Alice in the pool and we just have like quiet moments of her being scared of something moving in the shadows. Oh my God. You want to learn how to make a good tension-filled scene? Watch the scene where Arena has Alice trapped in the swimming pool. This woman is terrified of something she can't see that could be in any one of the directions around her. It is heartfelt and terrifying. But I just got to say, right off the bat, I sympathize with everything Arena is doing. I think she's a really cool character. And oh, is Simone Simon one of the most pretty girls I have ever seen on film? She's adorable. From the very moment she is on screen, I'm in love with her. I think she does everything perfectly. And she did nothing wrong in my eyes. She was just smitten by this guy. 
one day they just randomly met and he's like this girl is entertaining i want to get to know her and he instantly falls in love and that's like the main crux of this thing is there some sort of like curse or power that you could say these cat women have over these men there isn't really one it's just like they're so beautiful and feminine and strong in that capacity that every single man we meet in this movie falls in love with arena in very quick moments but she's like i I don't want to love you. And this is, this again, one of my favorite types of movies, one of my favorite genres is just anti-horny agenda being pushed upon. I love classic Hollywood when they're like, if we're going to be horny, we have to be subtle about it. This is almost like, we can't be too horny because I'm going to kill you. And I, I really like that. That's a cool vibe I want to see played with more. It just makes for so much fun and so much intrigue. And we just love to see it. But they get married. Arena marries this man named Oliver Reed, and he is just like, hey, we're going to be happy. Everything's going to be great. But she's not putting out. So he slowly realizes like, oh, I married the wrong girl. I should have married Alice, who I work with, because she is hot for me and willing to put out. And it's a simple high schoolish premise. But the thing is, you can't make the cat people jealous because they're going to haunt you and kill you. And you know what? I cannot blame Arena for any of the actions she takes in this movie because she'd said from the beginning she believes in this stuff. It's, it's just her casually saying, I'm from this place where we believe in this and people in my tribe know this to be true. But he's like, oh, honey, you're in New York City now. You don't have to believe in the hokey stuff of, like, your tribe. We believe in the real world here. And it's like, no, she's right. You're a son of a bitch. She's, she's right the whole time. And she gets mad when you don't do the thing. She told you from the beginning, but you were so blind by how pretty she was, you fell for her trap. And I really respect that. Just like this dude, so blinded by his horniness, completely missed what was going on in front of him. The clear warning signs, and I love that. What I really like about this too is that she is just a calm person until she is agitated. She is happy. She's willing to try harder. She's willing to feel things, understand things. It's really cool like that. And I love like the subtle changes for Simone Simon throughout the film as the more she gets integrated into being with Oliver and being a part of his life, the changes to her appearance start to form. She's wearing brighter colors. And as we get further and further into the film, when she is being trapped in this hostile, loveless marriage, she is forming a new identity for herself. She's wearing more black. She's dressing more for hair up in the way of like cat ears do. I love to see it. Well, I really, I really, really love to see that she goes to the zoo all the time to see a cat that just lives there. Because, like, you and me are the same, you know? Like, you're just like a male cat that lives here. I, I like coming to hang out with you because you remind me of, like, the freedom that I, I don't, that I have. You remind me of the freedom that I have because you're trapped in here and I, I'm able to live my life and do this kind of cool stuff. And it's really fun. I also just really like how she becomes scary when she is the cat. Like, there's a genuine fear that is presenting there. And, of course, we're not going to have a panther on screen every time she's there. That's why the subtlety of, like, the camera tricks work and the shadows work. But she becomes a menacing figure because she is quiet, she is small, and we don't see her all the time. She just shows up and scares people. And I love that. I love that paranoia feel of just this woman is going to hurt you. She hates you. She wants to hurt you. She doesn't love you. 
She hates what you did to her because she was happy. She was happy visiting the the panther every time she went to the zoo, just living her life. And then a man came in and ruined things. And now she's out for revenge. It's that simple. It is like 73 minutes of that. And you're like, okay, I'm here for it. There's big sets. There's good dialogue. Arena is so gorgeous. I, I love Simone. She is just a fantastic, cute little lady who just shows up. Her accent in this is interesting. Nonetheless, it works. And I really like the scene. Again, I really like the swimming pool scene because that's just really cool. But the scene where like the doctor tries to like, like, come on, you know, you're fine. You're not in your tribe anymore. You don't have to be like afraid of that. You're normal. But then when, <laughs> when the doctor realizes that Oliver is in love with Alice, he's like, Now's my chance. I'm going in for Arena. And she's like, what did we just talk about? And the moment he kisses her unconsentingly, she turns into a cat and just mauls him. Oh, I love it. I love it. Let's not even get into like the actual ideas of like femininity and like this strong female character who is just also in love with people, which I love to see that you, you can have both worlds. You can be a strong female character who is soft and caring, but still be a ferocious creature. And there's something about that that's so compelling. And the idea that it comes on from arousal, so she's scared to get aroused of her husband is so unique and crazy. It's so fun. And it just leads you to like, what would you do as a man in that situation? Because there's something about that that you're just like, you have to understand what's being said. You don't want to. It is, it's crazy. It's really crazy and cool. And, and it's such a strong script. It holds up so well. Like it's, it's one of those movies I could talk about forever and ever. Just the subtle camera tricks, the tension it builds, the way the actors play off each other. The ending is not something I particularly love. I do think it's just kind of like, well, all's well, it ends well. People get a happy ending. She dies. And and the panther in the zoo dies because she wants to sick it loose on the world to experience what she's experiencing. And it gets hit by a car 10 seconds after escaping the cage. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks. But everything else, it's so well done. Simone Simon, I don't know if it's her best work. But you cannot see this performance, the way she subtly changes throughout every scene, the way she gets more intense and daring, and, and the fact that she is upset that she's a scorned lover just because she couldn't be the thing he wanted. It's amazing. It's a great portrayal of jealousy and how that can turn into a horror film. And, and you just love to see that strength presented in such a cool, confident, powerful way. A beautiful story. I, I absolutely adore this movie. I like every single part of this film. I think it holds up incredibly well. It looks so vibrant. It plays off so vibrant. Ah, I was just so happy. I was so happy to be able to watch this and enjoy it and see some cool people again. It's a terrible dude getting his comeuppance in a sense, but he wins in the end, so that sucks. Just being scared of this crazy lady who's going to hurt you, but she's not crazy. She's just cute and ferocious, and that's a deadly combination. Oh, cat people rocks. Like, this movie is just great. Every part of it's so fun. And be afraid of women because they can hurt you. And be afraid of cats. Cats are scary. And I think using cats works better than, like, a dog or a werewolf because when you think of a dog, you just think of, like, something gnarly and growling and vicious. Once a cat, there's a sleekness to it. There's a sexiness to it, a calmness to it. It's stoic and confident and, like, surrounded by, like, this hidden power of, like, 
controlling the world in that sense because you know like you go back to like the egyptians believing in the power of the cat you could have all that being like a thing that makes cats a little more intimidating on a more professional romantic level they're just a more lovely animal like that to see and i think that works great but Irena, I would follow you to the ends of time, baby. You deserve so much better. Your husband was trapped in a cage. You freed him. He got hit by a car. All cats deserve better. This movie has so much good stuff going for it and is easily, easily one of my favorite films we have talked about on any iteration of Movie Tales. It is probably my favorite film we've talked about since Casablanca. Absolutely enthralled with this piece. <laughs> We've talked a lot of movies on Movie Tales, a lot of my favorite movies, a lot of ones that were sleeper hits to me, but what we're talking about today might be the most foundational film for me as a young person. This is the film that kind of started everything going on around me, and it's also one of those movies I hadn't seen in over a decade, maybe even not, not two decades, but it's been at least 12 years since I last saw this movie. And I've been thinking about it a lot lately because we're in such like this weird era where everything is like this large, complex, systematic thing of a genre now. Superheroes and comic books are of a genre in its own right. And whenever there's a movie, old or new, that branches out from what that genre is supposed to be, I've been thinking about what those could look like again. And this movie might be the most different in terms of what the genre has become, which I, I really like that, and I wanted to watch that again and talk about it. We're talking 2003's Hulk, a film from Ang Lee, who is a filmmaker that I didn't think we'd be covering this early because a lot of his work is just so specific, and I didn't know where to begin. I guess Hulk's the best place to start because it's the one most of my generation would know him for. Thought we'd do Brokeback Mountain first, but it doesn't matter. We're talking Hulk, which is the foundational film for me. Like, I still have my original toy from that movie somewhere in the stratosphere of everything I have. And coming back to this one, I think more than any other movie I've done a rewatch to, I was really worried because this was the thing that made me like this stuff. Hulk was my introduction to Marvel. He was the character I liked the most. I still remember moments of childhood just enjoying Hulk attire and seeing the character and getting like the mask and the gloves and smashing things up like I liked the Hulk so much because of this movie and you know being a guy who has studied film now and seen all this stuff I was really worried going back to this one I it would lose its like wonder and its interest to me because of what the genre has become and what my expectations are now but I have to say Going back and watching Hulk 20 years removed from the original release, it is such a nice movie. It is so pleasant and it felt so calm, which is weird to say about like the Hulk as a character. But if you take this movie and you just look at this singular singularly and you don't look at anything else that came out of it, it is such a specific tone that no other movie is going for, let alone the genre, no other movie is going for this. A lot of that has to do with the filmmaker and the writers being like, what if we made this like a hodgepodge of a bunch of things? A classic universal monster flick where it's like, this is like a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Literally, it's a Jekyll and Hyde situation. It's just this man tortured by this idea of himself. It's subtly brilliant in that. 
what if we made it look like a moving comic book, which is something these flicks don't do ever again? I, I don't know how much time we should spend talking about the transitions in this movie because to a certain generation, and I do think a generation younger than me, is going to find a lot of these transitions annoying and ugly and dumb and stupid, but coming off of just so much like constant media being pushed in my face with like these characters that I love from comic books, coming back to Hulk and seeing like, we're going to zoom in, we're going to start a scene on a frog's eye, zoom out to see the whole frog, zoom out to see the lab, zoom out to see a larger lab. Then we're going to like pan back and see like these characters moving in and out of frame. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. It's so cool to see like a movie actually like attempt to look like the visual style of comic books, not just take the characters and shoot iconic moments in like the frame. But what if we just took like how a comic book is drawn, like close ups on the face, panels in and off frame at every single moment, like cutouts and line works of certain things to just accentuate what a comic book is. It has the flow of a comic book. And that's like insane. There's literally moments where we just see like it would be like a page of a comic book. Here's the view from this angle. Here's the view from that angle. Here's the view from here and here. And then a huge splash page shows up and just like disrupts the whole system. It's so nice. It was so pleasant to come back to that and have it hold up for me. This was such a good movie. Like rewatching this again. I said calm, it's so quiet, like everybody's speaking so softly, and it's such like a character-driven movie, a study about this like guy who has like a history. That's the thing about this movie that I guess makes a lot of sense if you look at what's coming later from like the Hulk as a character, is like it's just a movie about two people who are kind of in love, and the abuse that they suffered from their parents, the trauma that they pushed back. The smartest thing this movie did is make the Hulk persona a metaphor for suppressed trauma, which is, it's fine. You know, I could, again, I can see how some people are going to be like, oh, that's stupid, but it should mean something when the Hulk does come out. It shouldn't just be like, here's a cool moment we're seeing because this is what the character needs to do. When Dr. Jekyll becomes Mr. Hyde, it should feel like it's intense and gripping and scary. When the Wolfman morphs into the Wolfman, it should be intense and you're freaked out by the transformation of this guy. When Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk, it should be powerful and scary and upset you. And what I really like about that contrast is like every time he hulks out, it's just like the softest face for the Hulk you've ever seen. He just is like this guy who expands and gets bigger and bigger with his rage, which is a really cool thing too. Well, he just looks like a doughy little kid. And I love that so much because it's just like this thing that never got the chance to learn or adapt. It's just now like a vessel that is being presented. And I think that's such a cool thing to see. And I'll just say it. I will just say it. You can disagree with me all you want. Eric Bana is the coolest Bruce Banner because he plays him like a little dweeby boy. It's not like that neurotic, weird thing that Ruffalo's doing. It's just this guy that's like, I don't need to talk up. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm just going to be situationally calm and collected and just like whisper every sentence I have to say until the world is going to push me into something I'm not being. It shows the duality of the two characters when Banner is so quiet and stiff and he's not saying anything or thinking anything. He's just experiencing what's in front of him. And then when Hulk comes out and it's just like this loud, obnoxious thing, it is such a good contrast, the best contrast for any of these things. 
and I like it a lot. It looks really fun. I get this is a movie about trauma. His dad is the villain, and it's just well, I don't know. Should we get too into it that much? It's just kind of like you know, like the suppressed thing that his father worked with Betty's father, and he kind of got a little crazy doing this experiment with gamma stuff. And he experimented on himself, which led to him having a son. And then Bruce is kind of like born with this mutation that's never been able to like permeate, it's just been kind of like a thing that he has. And then we see that his father kills his mother and it becomes like this traumatic thing. Just as like this nuclear test site goes off and this explosion of gamma stuff. Bruce in this movie is like less of like the classic like thing that Hulk was and more just he's a vessel that is going to explode and now it's finally happening. It's just all the pressure building up inside of him being released and then it does and then it just bursts into what we see and what we have happen here. And it is just so cool. And I'll, I'll just say it. I really like the way the fight scenes are shot with like the moving camera, the characters in and out of shots. It looks so good. I like all the fight scenes. I like the one when Hulk fights the stupid big dogs. I think it looks really good. I like the sequence where he fights Nick Nolte at the end and he turns into a big cloud. I think that's badass because that is that's like one of the coolest uses of that power is where he just turns into everything he touches and it just like he gets defeated by falling in water. I'm like, that's such a cool idea and such a cool concept to play with. Nick Nolte's so insane in this movie. Just looking like he walked off of just like a homeless shelter which is the vibe that his character is supposed to give off like this unstable man who's trying to like make amends for it what i really like is like the moments where he's trying to like reconcile with his son he's not actually talking about bruce he's talking about hulk that is such a powerful moment where he doesn't even acknowledge his son matters he only sees the thing that he built that is such a powerful moment and it just it was so cool to see that and experience that again i really like that and I don't know, like, this, the entire way this movie is shot and is built, I think it's so gorgeous, and just the way it uses the military as the bad guy, which, I mean, look, okay, so there are, there are film scholars and critics who know this stuff more than me and are more versed than me in this stuff, but I was just thinking about this at this time, like, it is Ang Lee who is kind of like a, not controversial, but he likes to talk about stuff in his movies, and it's like a movie being filmed around the time right after 9-11 and in the Iraq war era of stuff. So you have like the military seeing like this weapon of mass destruction that they can't control that they want to use to fight uh, a war that could be going on. The way the military is the bad guy here is such a concept that is straight out of Hulk. You get the classic characters Thunderbolt Ross, who was played by Sam Elliott, who looks old and young at the same time it's such a weird thing to see him look like that but just the sequences where it's just okay we captured the hulk we have a huge secret underground base and now he's free in like a desert somewhere and we're just going to send tanks and helicopters and whatever to shoot and fire at him it is such like a weird thing to see happen and i'm like that that would that would never happen today where it's like the hulk is fighting the military you know like just the military no special weapons no one has to anything just guys and stuff it's so cool and talbot's in this great use of talbot just being like a dick who's kind of into betty and i just like that as the story progresses he just gets so pissed at bruce and he's just like i have a broken leg a broken neck i have a cast on my arm 
I'm a beaten up guy from you, but I still want to hurt you and kill you. And when he gets caught in the fire, oh, the transition where he gets caught in the fire and it freezes on like the outline of him. It zooms out into a bunch of different frames that we could see from a panel. It chooses one to go into. Oh, 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 I wish I wish there was a studio movie made today that had the balls to attempt any of the transitions this movie does. Even just like the dissolving wipes, even just anything. Like, I don't see movies taking these chances today. Just like having it be so quiet where we focus on moments of a flashback going into a flashback. Where we like hold up a picture of Bruce and Betty together and it goes into the picture where he's having the flashback. And then he has a flashback in that flashback. It's so cool and amazing. And I just want to say... Jennifer Connelly is amazing in this movie. You know, Betty is a hard character to sell because what is she really? Just kind of like the Lois Lane, but more military. And even Lois Lane has military in her, but Connelly holds every scene together. She's the emotional crux of everything because her story emulates the one of Bruce, where it's like you have a father who wasn't there for you and left you in scenes. It's a really cool idea that they present where it's like you see that Jen... You see that General Ross left Betty at like this ice cream parlor to go work on the thing when we see that David's going to leave Bruce behind. It's like both of them are losing their fathers in that moment, realizing this is what they have left and they find each other. And it just becomes like this scorned love story of this monster trying to find love, which is a trope I adore so much of just there being like this one woman who can always like calm down like this man and make them like sane and comfortable. I really think that trope works so well and Connelly does it so great and she's so confident and just willing to admit everything, even though they're not like actively together in the movie. She's just like, yeah, I get it. We have a connection that is Fortune more stuff than we realize. I guess we're going to be here for a while. Oh, it's such a good moment. And it's so cool. And I think this movie is just so interesting. Like, just seeing the way it just sets itself up. The opening credits are so unique. And that music from Elfman is so unique. And the script is so, like, chaotic. But it all comes together in this beautiful blend. The camera work is next level. It's something we're never going to see again in any type of genre flick. A Hulk movie that is this calm allows for moments where this character... We go, like, minutes without talking. Just letting vibes take place and experience this moment in real time. It is so soft-spoken. Nobody is yelling until they have to. These sets are all big and grandiose, and the Hulk design is my favorite Hulk design. Just how big and bulky and calm he looks. It's such a cool concept. I love when he gets dirty. I love when he falls into, like, the sand and gets all sandy. It's just great. Like, it is such a fantastic piece to watch now to see what's coming from the genre later. Because when this came out, this wasn't a genre. It was just like... Well, we could just make, you know, a Jekyll and Hyde story and make it look like a comic book, which was an insane idea. And now, in retrospect, it's like nothing will ever attempt this style again with its transitions, with its coloring, with its characters. We are never in our lifetime going to get a comic book movie this quiet where it's just we're going to hold on characters looking at each other, longing for each other, thinking about each other. 
just have it just set up this quiet moment and have have it end so nonchalantly where we have like a big battle. We have a big cloud that's full of lightning beating up the Hulk in a beautiful sequence where the silhouettes of Hulk show up. It's so gorgeous. And then suddenly the fight's over. He beat his dad. He got the, you know, he got past the trauma he's been experiencing his whole life and then just winds up in the jungle somewhere. It's like that happens in like 10 minutes. Oh, we'd never do that again, but it's so gorgeous. The colors are great. The parallels between Banner and Hulk are so awesome. Like the mirror sequence, I don't even know if I need to talk about it. It's like the best thing ever seen. I was giddy every second of that. Hulk running through the desert. It's so good. The cast is great. Connolly is phenomenal. This is the pinnacle for me now, you know? It was the one that got me here. And it's the one that's going to keep me staying. I think this is going to be become like one of those movies where I'm going to go tell people like, no, you you have to understand what we're saying, what we're doing, and how this is such a unique experience. Because there's nothing like it. it there's, there isn't. We don't do it again. Banna is the best Bruce. I don't know if it'll ever be topped. We'll see. But this was so impressive, and I'm so glad I decided to go back and watch it because this was exactly what I needed right now to get reinvigorated into what the Marvel movies can be again. So, please watch Hulk. It is such a good movie. So much more than what you're thinking of. It's so Freudian at times, too, where it's like, ooh, look at this son and this father and their weird relationship that there's love and hate in every single scene. Father and daughter hate in every single scene. And it's just about, like, what a universal monster hate his father enough to want to kill him. It's very interesting. And that is going to do it for this episode of Dynamic Tales. Now, thank you all for watching this video. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. As always, you can check them out on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And I will catch you in the next one. Have fun. Stay safe, you puny humans. Good luck.